the honor of having uh, one, of, uh, one of my biggest mentors uh, here, actually in freaking St. Louis. So uh, I think it's something that we really need uh, to really appreciate because we don't really get this here a lot. So uh, Jerry Patterson Docs has pediatric practice in Atlanta. Uh, he also has a podcast called Kyrocast. If you don't, if you don't know what that is, I'll definitely check that out it's on iTunes. It's free. So uh, yeah, without further ado, Dr. Ruben. Thank you. I'm honored and flattered to be here. Um, this is very exciting to be in Logan University, even though I'm here in Atlanta. Um, you know, when I first started in practice, this was an impossibility. So this is really kind of cool to see the, the things that have changed, you know, over the years is like totally amazing. Um, so um, what I'm going to do uh, for you guys in the half hour or so that we're going to be together is uh, I'm going to do a brief presentation about some current ideas that I'm kind of mulling over. And then I want to open this up to questions. Uh, so if any of you guys have any questions about anything, I'd be more than happy to, uh, you know, to talk to you about it. So um, something I talked about this morning in my Facebook video is I always, on Tuesday mornings, I always have a Facebook video, is uh, one of my favorite quotes. Um, and uh, I don't know if you guys can see this over there. But uh, one of my favorite quotes is from an author named Viktor Frankl. And um, he was a psychologist, uh, or a psychiatrist actually, um, who was in the Holocaust. Uh, and he wrote an amazing book that you all should read called Man's Search for Meaning. Um, and this is a quote from that book. And it says this, it says, Between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and freedom. So, can you guys hear me? Am I breaking up? Am I still there? Yeah, we're having some difficulties. Technical difficulties? No problem. I'll, I'll wait. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. Technology is technology. Can you, you try to like move your mic up more? Oh, what well, I mean, th this mic is, I'm just recording stuff on this mic for the podcast. Okay. So it shouldn't have anything to do with anything. So, um, to repeat, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and freedom. That comes from Viktor Frankl, the Holocaust survivor and uh, the author of the book Man's Search for Meaning, which I highly recommend. Um, but I want to really talk about this. You know, sometimes I talk about green books and stuff on these things, which I know you, all you guys love. But I think this is something that is super important too. And it kind of relates to our chiropractic philosophy. And that is this, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And you know what that space is? That space is your life. Right? That space is your life. Uh, what you choose to do with that space is what your life is. Uh, and I think that is super important to understand because I think that's what B.J. Palmer was, was all about, is that he had a stimulus, which was he had to adjust as many people as he possibly could. And his response was to go out there and in the face of outrageous odds, take a profession that was in the beginning just him and his dad 
and change that so that it went around the whole world, right? So think about how important B.J. Palmer is. I know a lot of people, you know, look at B.J. Palmer and they consider him something like a historical document, you know, like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and stuff. But if it wasn't for B.J., then we wouldn't be here, right? Because he decided to take the difference that that space between the stimulus and response, he decided to say, I'm going to go at it this 100% until the day I die. So then the guy ended up writing 41 books about chiropractic, traveled the world three times over in all kinds of countries all over the world to make sure that chiropractic was where it should be in its rightful place. You know, and another great book I'm going to talk about, how many people, how many of you guys have read um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey? All right. Uh, you got to read this book. If you haven't read that book, it is probably one of the greatest books ever. Uh, to propel you forward. When I was in your situation, when I was uh, a young student like you and just graduating, I, that was the first time I read that book and it changed my life. I followed the exercises in that book and it changed my life. And one of the things it talks about in this book is a, um, the first of the seven habits is called um, be proactive. And to be proactive, uh, what that means is to not be reactive. So what he would talk about is this, like, there's a stimulus and there's a response. And if there's immediate stimulus, you've immediate response, you're missing the choice, right? So as an example, stimulus over here. So you're driving down the road, right? And someone cuts you off. And your immediate response, if you don't have a choice, if you feel like you have no choice, your immediate response is like, ah, start screaming and say nasty things and maybe do something in between this and other things that might happen. And you know, just to say and do some nasty things, right? That stimulus response is like a knee-jerk reaction. What he's saying is there's a choice, right? So between the stimulus and the response is your choice, right? And this choice is your life. So you can choose. If someone cuts you off, you got to say, wow, that guy must be in a hurry, right? I wonder what he's hurrying up to. Maybe he's really stressed or she's really stressed. Maybe something's, the person's, he's got a sick mom or a dad and he's got to rush off to it. He's trying to, to get to an appointment because he's late because he's not making enough money to make ends meet. You know, so you, there's a different way of looking at it, right? The same stimulus, right? The same stimulus, which is, is you know, someone cut you off. You can have a very different response. And the thing is this, who chooses that response, right? You do. You choose your response. You choose what you decide to do. And I have chosen in my life to make kids my thing, right? My mission is taking care of the kids. My mission is that we, I want to heal the world one child, one spine and nerve system at a time. That's my mission, right? And, and it's not a mission that, like right now when you guys are in school, how many of you guys are in clinic right now actually seeing patients? Okay, not many of you. All right, so good. Then right now, your mission is to study about how it is that you are going to interact with your patients later on, right? That you're, 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 you think your, your mission might be that, you know, to pass, you know, your, your courses and to pass boards and to take OSCEs. And, and that's, that's not your mission, right? That's just what you're doing along the way to get to your mission. Do you understand? Right? That's not your mission. Your mission isn't to pass a class. That's not a mission. It's important. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying what's important is you got to get from point A to point B, and point B has got to be your mission. There are things you need to do along the way, but your actual mission is to take care of the people, right? Is to take care of the people. And your mission isn't to pay back student loans, 
right? You will all pay back your student loans. Don't worry about paying back your student loans. That's, that should not be your thought process. That should be the last thing you're thinking about, right? Your main mission on this planet is to take care of the people. My mission is to take care of the kids, right? Now, even though I, I see a family practice, but I really want to take care of the kids because the kids are what makes me like psyched up, right? It makes me psyched up when, like I recently wrote this article, some of you guys that may have read this in the latest Pathways magazine, right? So I wrote this article about uh, autism, neuroplasticity, and the polyvagal theory. And this has been like my juice lately, right? Because it, it gets me all jazzed up. When I, when I write this kind of stuff, I get excited. Like people think like, oh my God, you write articles, how boring. No, I, this is like the most exciting thing to, to be able to get the message out so more and more people can, can read it because it's not chiropractors who are reading this, right? It's like people all over the world are reading this. I'm getting emails from people everywhere to asking me questions like, like, how do you, you know, I need a chiropractor to take care of my kids and I'm in Kalamazoo, can you refer me to someone? This is why I do this because the whole mission that like everything I do is about a sense of urgency, right? Right now, you may think your sense of urgency is, oh my God, I have a test tomorrow and I have this urgent need to pass the test so I better like cram tonight so I can pass the test tomorrow. And that's one way to look at a sense of urgency and I get it, I was a student too, although it was many, many years ago, in the last century, right? Uh, that's when I was a student. Um, so I graduated in 89. So that's 1989. Uh, so I, I, want you, I understand that sense of urgency. But you know what the real urgency is? The real urgency is there are kids dying like this. Right now, a kid died. Another kid died. Another kid died. Another kid died. Another kid died. Because I didn't touch him. Because you didn't touch him. Because we didn't tell people, enough people, about the message. And that's what this is about. So when I write articles like this, you know, for the public. It's about, can I get another kid on the care? When I write articles like this that are in science, like, you know, chiropractic, you know, journals, like this is the, one of the latest research articles I did, improvement in autistic behaviors following chiropractic care, the application of the polyvagal theory and its relationship to pediatric chiropractic. When I, when I write articles like this, I am stoked because I want more chiropractors doing what we're doing, right? So it's, it's not just about me getting to the kids and actually physically putting my hands on the kids, which is amazing and I love it. What it's really about is how many ways can I get to the kids? And that's where the sense of urgency comes from, right? That's why I started the podcast called Chirocast, right? It's not just to get you guys stoked up and excited, which I really appreciate that you guys are, are great listeners of the podcast and keep on telling your friends. It's been a lot of fun to, to do this. Um, but the real reason I do this is because I want other people to listen to this, not just chiropractors and not just chiropractic students. I want other people to listen to it because it's not a chiropractic message we're talking about, is it, right? Even though certainly chiropractic is the theme, but the message is taking care of the people. The message is philosophy. The message is doing what's right, right? And to me, doing what's right is getting the message out to as many people as we can, you know, and, and that's, to me, the, the ultimate calling that I have, the ultimate reason why I have the podcast, right? I started, do you, do you know why I started the podcast, right? It wasn't to necessarily get to people at Logan University. It was because a student of mine about a year and a half ago came up to me and he said, hey, do you record your little talks before every class? Because I, I, I teach at Life University and before every class I do a little talk, five, 10, 15 minute talk about some kind of current topic or about a green book or something. And this one student said, do you ever record your talks? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, why not? And I said, I don't know. I never thought of it. And he said, well, why don't you record your talks and put them on a podcast? And I'm like, a what? 
because I didn't understand what podcasts were at the particular time. And he said, a podcast. He, he said, don't you know what a podcast is? No. He said, give me your phone. And we went on my phone and he found iTunes and there's this podcast thing. And I didn't even realize what it was. I, had, I knew it was some app on my phone that I never used. Um, and he said, yeah, there are people out there who are like listening to this kind of stuff. You can get this to a lot of people. So I said, what do you mean, like students? He said, yeah, the students like at Life University, maybe they couldn't come to class and they could hear this little talk, you know, or sometimes I can't make it to class, you know, because I've got boards or whatever. So maybe I can listen to your talk because I didn't get to your class. I said, all right, sure, I'll try it. So I, I started doing these podcasts and, you know, very simple. All I do is record myself and then post it on SoundCloud. Um, oops, my office staff will get that. Um, so I, I posted on SoundCloud and then, you know, I, I started noticing that there's a couple of hundred people listening to it and then a couple of thousand people. And last count, I have almost 10,000 people listening every single week to these podcasts. It's totally crazy. And then that's right. And it's not just like chiropractors, right? Because there are people all over the world that people in, in countries that I don't even re recall their names and I don't even know where they are on maps, but there are people out there listening to this because they want to get excited. You know, and to me, that's a huge thing. Like Dr. Wayne Dyer, another great speaker and author, you should be listening to Dr. Wayne Dyer. Um, I was listening to one of his uh, audio tapes and he talked about how like when, when, when you're doing these sort of things, when you're, when you're these kind of messages, they, they leave like ripples in a pond, right? You ever drop a stone in a pond and you see like the ripples you know, come out like this? Well, that's what it's like. It's like a ripple in a pond. And who knows, like, what is B.J. Palmer's famous quote? You never know how far-reaching something you may think, say, or do will affect the lives of millions tomorrow, right? You never know how far-reaching something you may think, say, or do will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. My goal is that, you know, this affects someone who affects someone else who affects someone else. And as you may have heard me say, like, who knows? One of you guys might be president of the ICPA someday or the ICA, right? I don't know. One of you guys or gals could be some very influential chiropractor and maybe somehow my little message that I said today will have that kind of an impact, you know, because someone at some point in time had to say, hey, you know what? You'd make a great chiropractor, right? Somehow or other, someone somewhere must have said something to you to make you decide to do this, right? And think about how important that someone is. You know, someone somewhere years ago, this one guy who was my Social studies teacher in ninth grade, his name was Dr. Robert Fleischacker, all right? An interesting last name. Uh, uh, this inner power speaks. This inner power speaks. We chiropractors work with the subtle substance of the soul. We release the prison impulse, the tiny rivulet of force that emanates from the mind and flows over the nerves to the cells and stirs them into life. We deal with the magic power that transforms that transforms common food into living, loving, thinking clay that robes the earth with beauty and hues and scents the flowers with the glory of the air. In the dim, dark, distant long ago, when the sun first bowed to the morning star, this power spoke, and there was life, and it quickened the slime of the sea and the dust of the earth and drove the cell to union with its fellows in countless living forms. Through eons of time, it finned the fish and winged the bird and fanged the beast. Endlessly it worked, evolving its forms until it produced the crowning glory of them all. With tireless energy, it blows the bubble of each individual life and then silently, relentlessly, dissolves the form and absorbs the spirit into itself again. And yet you ask, can chiropractic cure appendicitis or the flu? Have you more faith in a knife or in a spoonful of medicine 
than the innate power that animates the internal living world. <clears throat> so that's from B.J. Palmer, Bigness of the Fell Within, 1949. B.J. Palmer, Bigness of the Fell Within, 1949. I highly recommend you guys uh, listening to that particular, I mean, reading that particular volume. Of all the volumes, I think it's B.J.'s greatest. Uh, it's one of the largest. Uh, it's probably like 500 pages, uh, but it is probably one of the greatest volumes. As a matter of fact, as a gift to you guys, what I'm going to do is I have a PDF version of it. I'm going to send it to you so you don't have to buy it. So uh, so I'm going to send it to I have a PDF version. I'd rather share this stuff and get it out there so, so you guys can, like, I'm going to ask you guys don't share it yourselves, okay? Uh, but I'm going to share it with you guys because I want you guys to, to have it because uh, you need this philosophy. Um, now, understand when you're reading uh, this particular volume, there's some stuff in it that's about art, you know, and about you know, some history stuff and stuff that may not be as pertinent, but I'm telling you the stuff that is, um, like, the stuff that rocks, rocks. So just skim the stuff that you don't like, but the other stuff will be uh, totally worth it and it will just sink you into chiropractic even more because that's the whole idea, right? You got it. I want you guys to sink into it. You understand what I mean? Like immerse. You know, like, like, I don't just do chiropractic when I'm in the office or teaching at life or when I'm here right now with you guys. I'm, I'm reading about chiropractic when I'm doing whatever I'm doing. Even if I'm watching a movie and there's nothing to do with chiropractic, it's really about chiropractic in my brain, right? I'm always thinking of a chiropractic twist to something. What does that mean? How can, how can I use that in a podcast? How can I use that in my writing? How can I, what can I research about this, right? There's always something you can think of. So, cause, so it, chiropractic isn't a, um, a job. It's a life. It's not even lifestyle, right? It's a life. It's what I do. It's who I am, right? If you cut me, I bleed chiropractic, right? It's, it's just, that's, that's what it is, especially kids, right? The kids just, they have my attention, you know? So when a mom comes in yesterday who's pregnant and she's never been to a chiropractor before and she's afraid, she's super afraid about chiropractic because all she's thinking about is like, more of my friends tell me it's like it's cracking and popping and I'm kind of afraid of that. Uh, and what I said to her is, you know, what we do isn't about the popping and the cracking, right? Now, I have to be an activated chiropractor, so that makes it even easier. But it's not about the popping and cracking. It's about getting your, your brain and your nerve system working at 100%. And by the time I finished our explanation and the exam, you know what she says? She says, I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so glad I'm here. She says, I know that this was the right thing for me in my pregnancy and my baby, right? And what BJ says this, what greater joy, right? What greater joy can I have than someone saying that? You know, another new patient comes in yesterday and it's a little boy and he has these uh, issues with his eyes. And um, she's never been to a chiropractor before, never brought the kid, uh, her kid to a chiropractor and he's got these interesting eye issues, this long congenital blah, blah, blah problem. Um, and by the time we're done, she says, I get it, right? I get why, you know, he has to be in the care. And I know why my husband and myself need to be in the care also, right? So that's the whole, the whole idea is that when, if you explain the story the, the way that, like, that BJ just talked about it here, right? You explain the story like that. You, don't explain hard bone on a soft nerve. That doesn't work anymore, right? That's, that doesn't work. Don't explain like, uh, oh, you know, some big scientific jargon with, you know, hyper this and hypo that and big long names and whatever. Nobody wants to hear that. You know, they want to hear the truth, right? 
They want to hear the truth. They want to hear it simple and the truth and explain it to them so they get it, right? Brain and nerve system, you know. One of my favorite things for the kids, you know what I do with the kids, is I turn on the lights and on and off. And I say, you know, power on, that's what we do. Power off, that's a subluxation, right? They get that, right? And, and the parents get it too because the parents are in the room. So, so that's what we do. And, you know, it, when you think about when BJ says here, you know, and yet you ask, can chiropractic cure appendicitis of the flu? This, we have a salutogenic model, right? Our model is about salutogenesis. Our, our model is not about sickness, right? Or even treating sickness. I don't treat sickness. I don't even, I don't treat asthma, allergies, ear infections, autism. I don't treat any of that. What I treat, what I do is I work on subluxations and I maximize someone's potential. That's what I do, right? So it's not about, you know, the treatment of illness or the treatment of a back pain. It's about, I want to take care of people and help that person be better overall, right? Make sense? Good. So now what I want to do is I'm going to ask you guys to ask some questions and then I'll answer uh, to the best of my ability. But you may have a bazillion questions for me and I, please don't be shy. Um, I really want to hear them, but you'll have to unmute it so I can hear what your questions are. Uh, and then I'll repeat the questions so everybody can hear it and then I'll answer it. So who's got the first question? Come on. All right. Hi. Hi. What's your name? Hi. Gabby. Hi, Gabby. Yeah. Hi. Um, so who were some of your biggest mentors when through chiropractic school, whether they were alive as chiropractors or authors, um, anyone really? Sure. Great question, Gabby. So um, Gabby asked the question, who are my mentors in chiropractic school? So uh, Dr. Larry Webster was one of my main mentors. He was the founder of the ICPA, International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, who I speak for now. Um, he is the one who ultimately got me into um, wanting to take care of kids. Um, it really wasn't my intention in, initially to do that. My uh, intention was actually to get, go into sports. Um, but it, Dr. Webster really turned me around uh, and made me kind of want to go into pediatrics. And his whole thought process was super gentle um, so he used to always say, um, if you could uh, adjust someone with a lot less force and get the same results, why not? Right? Especially with kids. And another thing he used to say all the time was, kids are not little adults. Right? So you don't take an adult adjustment and extrapolate it down and consider that a kid adjustment. A, a kid adjustment is a whole different thing altogether. And I don't like when some people say, Oh, you know, this, the pediatric chiropractic is ridiculous because it's all chiropractic, right? And I can, I can see the point. Philosophically, I get what they're trying to say. Um, but honestly, adjusting a kid is not the same as adjusting an adult. And they need to know that. They need to understand that. They need to get that adjusting, especially the kind of kids that we take care of, the special needs kids uh, and the challenged child. You know, these kids need different kind of adjustments. And we can't just go doing a flying seven and, you know, you know, uh, hit them here and hit them high and hit them low. That just doesn't work, right? That's, that's not what chiropractic is, um, you know, or should be, especially with pediatrics. So Dr. Webster was my first mentor. Um, Dr. Sid Williams was another one of my main mentors. Uh, if it wasn't for Dr. Sid, uh, I wouldn't be here. Um, he was the, one of my main encouragements to get really into philosophy. Um, I'm sort of a science geek, so I was definitely leaning more towards 
you know, being very scientific. And he said, you know, it's a science, art, and philosophy. You have to know all three, right? BJ talked about that. It's a science, art, and philosophy. So you, it's great to be involved in science, but you got to know the art, right? You got to be a great adjuster and you got to know the philosophy, right? So you got to know the green books. And that was very influential to me to, to kind of marry those three pieces, the triune, as you used to call it, to marry that triune of science, art, and philosophy. It's not just one. And the people that I see that are most successful, the chiropractors that I hang out with that are the most successful, they are the ones who are into the science, art, and philosophy, not just one or two of them, but all of them. And Dr. Sid, you can see back there, that picture right there on my wall, that's Dr. Sid from DE. Um, so I have him in my office wall, seeing him every day just inspires me and makes me remember, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. So those are my two biggest influences chiropractically when I was in school. Good question. Thanks, Gabby. Another question? <laughs> yes. Um, so when you said you are working with kids on a spectrum, yes. what, uh, what, like, what do you go through before you get to that patient to be present with that patient at that specific time? What's your name? Josh. Josh. Thanks, Josh. Can you can you repeat the question? I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is that you're asking. So do you have do you have a certain ritual you go through with each kid, like before you actually work with them to be with that like meet that particular kid's needs? Yeah, okay. Like if you do, what do you go through? That's a great question. So Josh asks, is there some sort of a ritual uh, or something that I'd kind of do to prepare myself uh, for that child. Um, and uh, that's a very interesting question. I don't, I don't think I actually have ever thought of it in that way. But yes, I do. I think um, the most important thing that we have to do when you take care of a special needs kid is to, is to meet them where they are. So, um, you know, a, a lot of us, especially who've got very busy practices, we're kind of going, going, and going, and going, and going. And you can't just keep on going and going and going when you see one of these kids because they're hyper reactive. Um, they're very stuck in sympathetic overdrive. So they're like usually super, super tense. So if you come in like at hundred miles an hour, like, all right, well, let's go down, get adjusted. Da, da, da. You know, they're not, they, they can't take that kind of stuff. They're, they're going to be, they'll, they'll push back with that. So you have to come at them. It, you have to like, it, when I go with into uh, and my, my area, what we, we have an open adjusting area. So some of the special needs kids we see in the open adjusting area. Some of them, the more severe cases, the more severely uh, autistic children, the ones who are like nonverbal or not very verbal, we'll take them in the back. Like my office here we're sitting in now, I have a bench right over here um, that we uh, will adjust them on. So what the whole point is that we slow down. So I slow down how I'm talking. I take my tone, which is much more like this, I'm running around, and I'll kind of come down to this sort of level of a tone, right? And I will, I will touch them in a very calm manner in the beginning. So here's an example. We had an autistic boy um, who started coming about a month ago. And when he, and you heard me talk about this if you were at Max Living. Um, so when he came, um, uh, first came in, he was like hand flapping and screeching and completely like no attention span whatsoever. And and just yelling and, and la, 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 just, you know, kind of all this echolalia you know, sort of stuff that, that they're very, you know, is very typical for these uh, kids. And, um, you know, I met him where he was, right? So in the exam, 
we were very patient with him. Uh, in the exam, what we do, especially with very severely challenged children, is I will talk to one parent by themselves without the child, have the other parent or a guardian or someone sit outside you know, the exam room so we can get data without spending a half hour with that child in the room going completely you know, bored and ballistic and trying to get out of the room and stuff. So that's a really important thing that we do is we separate them. And then when we do the exam, now the child comes into that room and now I slow down with them, right? And I meet them where they're at. And if they don't want to be touched, you know, in a certain way, I won't, you know, like they don't want me to, to like this one boy, he did not want me to go behind him, right? I wanted to feel like so we couldn't get him to lie face down. So I, I was going to go, usually I go behind them and I will palpate them from behind and look at their back from behind. I couldn't do that in the beginning, right? So I said, okay, I won't go behind you. And I'll, I just started palpating him from the front because he wanted to see me, right? There's a big trust factor in a lot of these special needs kids that you need to build up to. <clears throat> so I slowed down and I talked in a gentle voice and I palpated him very, very gently. And then eventually I was able to get behind him so I could look because I felt like his scapula were way off and they are. Um, and uh, we started adjusting him, doing things like bioenergetics and network and that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, just last, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, right before my ML talk, um, that we, we did, he came into the office completely calm, not flapping his hands, not screaming and screeching and going la la la, and he lied face down on the adjusting bench, and every time he does that, I stroke his back like this, and he was just totally relaxed, he wasn't trying to lift up or anything, and I just totally stroked his back and stroked his back and performed the network adjustment and stroked his back and spoke really calm and kept on saying, you're doing a good job, buddy, you're doing a good job, and then the parents, you guys have heard me say this if you were at the seminar, the, the parents after he stood up, he said, tears in their eyes, saying, Dr. Ruben, just want you to know, he started speaking his first words. He's four and a half, right? He said, mama, dada, and down this weekend, right? I'm like, that's why I do what I do, right? You never know how far-reaching something you may think Sarah do will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. So yes, that is, there is a sort of a ritual. I never thought of it that way, Josh, but there is sort of a ritual that I follow. And But the whole point of the ritual is, Number one is to meet them where they're at. And number two, slow down. Good, good question. Any other questions? Yes. Hey, Dr. Ruben. So um, is there sort of a, um, a go-to like, phrase or maybe something you go to when there are uh, people who are very reluctant to bring kids in? Um, I've had conversations with people who are just absolutely afraid to bring their kids in. Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So, what, what's your name again? Dane. Dane, that's right. Hi, Dane. Um, so, um, yeah, there's I see that a lot, uh, and um, never make someone wrong for feeling afraid, right? Um, and they have you know justifiable fears because you know if someone said, oh, you know, my friend brought them to a chiropractor, their kid to a chiropractor, and this and that happened or whatever, or they heard some stories or whatever. It's all justified, right? You can't say, so, well, I'll never say no. You know, oh, that's not true, right? And try to discount it. That's not true. That never happened. That would never happen. It's totally good, right? You don't want to discount it. What usually we, we try to do is say, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I've heard the same things that you've you know, talked about. So I feel what you're, you know, what the, the angst that you're going through, just like the pregnant lady yesterday, you know, she had this fear. Um, and... Uh, and it's okay to feel that way, so make sure, v validate them. It's okay to feel that way, but what I'm going to do 
is I'm going to teach you that there's something different, right? There's a different way to, to approach these children, right? The way we adjust the children is we use something called sustained contact. And I'll put my hand on her, you know, hand like this. And I'll say it's sustained contact. So it's, it's just a gentle touch like this. There's no cracking or popping or pushing or, you know, in any way forceful adjusting with, with your special needs child or with your child. Everything's going to be super, super gentle. Or we use the activator. I'll show them the activator adjusting tool. You know, I'll take out the activator adjusting tool and I'll say, you know, this is an activator adjusting tool and I, you know, it might look a little funny, but it's just a spring-loaded adjusting instrument and I'll, I'll do it on myself and I'll say, give me your hand and I'll put it on their hand and click it on there, you know, adjust on, on their hand. And I'll say, what that does is that introduces a very gentle but very specific force, whether you're using the activator or your sustained contact. And what our, our goal is to calm the nerve system. So when your child, uh, you know, comes into the practice, you know, one of the things that we see a lot of times is uh, patients say, I'm really afraid of you taking care of my kid, uh, and I'm really afraid they're going to be upset coming into the office. And I'm like, no, 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 the problem in my office is every kid cries leaving, right? We get more kids hysterical leaving the office because they want to stay here because they have so much fun with myself and my interns and my staff and you know, we just have such a great time here. And we have toys everywhere in the office. Not just in like one little, don't have a toy corner. Guys, listen to me. When you open up your practices, don't have a toy corner. Have toys everywhere. We have uh, toys here and toys there and in the back room and in my office. And there's, there's just toys everywhere so that no matter where the kid is, including my exam room, uh, we have a Lego set in my exam room. We have a Lego set in the main area. We're everywhere. So, uh, so that the kids, are, they feel at home, Right. And that's what we, that's what I say, Lane, is, is we make the kids feel really at home. We do super gentle adjustments. Um, I have a video online of what it looks like to do sustained contact on, on babies. So I, I always refer them to that. Um, you know, go on my website. You can see what it looks like because I, I, I want someone to, to feel, I don't want for someone to feel any sort of angst with their kid or themselves, you know, getting adjusted. I want them to be super, you know, pumped and excited. Good question. Good question. I got time for one more. Yes. I can't see you. <laughs> Hello. That's great. What's your name? Josh. Josh? Another Josh. Okay, so uh, hi Josh. Um, yeah, Josh is a good name. Um, so the marketing strategies that I have found to be the most effective in my practice are, um, there's three things. Number one is patient referrals is the absolute best way to market your practice. <clears throat> and um, there's two ways to do that. Uh, one of the most important ways that I do is we always invite all our practice members uh, when they first come in. Usually the kid's the first person to come into my practice. Um, and then when they, when the, in the report of findings, I will say, you know, we want to see the rest of the family under care and we will offer a discounted exam for you guys to get checked for, you know, the husband, the wife and the rest of the kids to get checked if you do it in the next couple of weeks. So that's a huge way to build a practice um, because almost everybody um, here, let me teach you a huge practice management tool. Um, and I'll ask you this question. When do you think is the best time to ask for referrals? When's the best time? 
Yeah, exactly. The first two visits. That's the best time. The worst time, the, the biggest mistake that I had to unlearn, the biggest mistake is thinking that the best time to, uh, to ask for referrals is when they get results. That is not accurate. The best time to ask referrals is when they're excited. And when are they excited? That first couple of visits, right? That's when they're super excited. Um, another great practice management, uh, 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 practice building tool that I do is I call patients after their first adjustment. I can't begin to tell you how awesome a procedure that is. First off, it's a really nice thing to do that no doctor does anymore, right? So uh, I called up a, a pregnant woman a couple weeks ago, came in as a patient, and I called up, I spoke to her husband, and I said, hi, this is Dr. Rubin. And he said, you know, hi. And he said, everything okay? I said, yeah. I said, is your wife around? You know, I, I saw her today, and I just wanted to talk to her. And he said, uh, no, she's not. Can I take a message? I said, well, you know, I like calling to see what they thought of their first visit, you know, and if they have any questions or comments for me. And he said, you're calling at 8 o'clock at night to see what my wife thought of her first adjustment? And I said, yeah. He said, I want to come into your practice. I was like, cool. And now I didn't do it for that, right? That's not the reason why I did it. Um, I did it because I wanted to connect to my patient and make them realize that I love my people. Um, but he got that and now he's a patient too, right? Um, that's the second uh, best way. The third way that I build a pediatric practice is I ask all my existing patients questions like this. Um, do you know what the four A's are? And what are they gonna say? No, what are the, what are you, what four, what's the four A's? The four A's are autism, ADHD, allergies, and asthma. Do you know any kids who have any of that? And what's the answer gonna be? Absolutely, right? 25% of all kids in America, according to Dr. Ken Bach, 25% um, of all kids in America have one of the four A's, autism, ADHD, asthma, and allergies, right? So 25, so that means that if, like for those of you guys who are in clinic and you've probably seen a bunch of senior citizens, right? Because that's what we usually see uh, in, in clinics is a lot of senior citizens because they get pretty inexpensive care at the clinic, right? So what you do is you ask them, hey, any of your grandkids have any of the four A's? And they'll say, what are the four A's? And you tell them what they are. And they're like, of course. And then what are you going to say? Bring them. Bring them in. Let's go. Bring them in. Buy the truckload. Bring them in. You know? Uh, that's how you build a pediatric practice, um, the third way. And the fourth way is social media, right? Uh, between Facebook and Instagram and podcast and all these kind of things, you know, the, the, on social media. When I first started in practice, it was 100% referral. I, I didn't, I don't do print ads. I don't do yellow pages. I don't do, you know, magazine, excuse me, ads. Now is 50% patient referral and 50% social media. So very important to have it, to, to be on social media, very important to have a website that's, that works really well. Um, you know, I think that's like a super important thing, you know, to do. Speaking about social media, everybody take out your phone, show me your phones, take out your phones. Good. Now go on Facebook, go on Facebook right now. I'm actually telling you as a faculty member to go on Facebook <laughs> and I want you to like my page patients. So, so when you go on Facebook, right? Uh, and you're on social media and you're interacting with your patients, this is how you're going to get other patients, right? Because you're interacting. And, and let me tell you something. Facebook isn't about what you're eating for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or 
where you're hanging out or what movie you just saw, right? And it's certainly not about ranting, right? You guys, I'm telling you, people are watching you and when you rant and rave on, 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 and say some nasty stuff and show bad things on Facebook, people are watching because before they come to see me, they're checking me out and they're looking at my website and they're looking at Facebook and they're looking, is this guy consistent, right? So very important. But anyway, but so, but so Facebook, social media, Josh, is a really important tool um, to use uh, to build your practice too. Great. Well, I had a super good time with you guys today. Um, I really appreciate this. Um, I want to just end with a couple of things. Number one is I am super open to having students from other universities uh, do like preceptorships in my, in my office. So if you... <laughs> are interested, when you guys get to that point, I know a lot of you guys are lower trimesters and stuff, but when you guys get to that point, I would love to, to have some uh, you know, great members of this team um, in my office. And I don't know how you do, pre every school is different. Uh, we have interns here from Life University, but I would love to have Logan uh, people preceptor in my office, if you're, but you gotta be super into pediatrics, right? So if you're not into kids, then don't. Um, so, because we, that's all we do is, <laughs> Just a lot of kids. We have families too, but it's mostly kids. So, but if you're inter interested in that, please let me know because we'd love to to put you on a list uh, and and keep you get you involved in a bigger way because we'd love to. Once again, you know, you never know how far-reaching. You're in my office, and who knows what that you know experience might do. So, I'd love to to, to do that. Number one. Number two is please keep on listening to Chirocast. We're trying to make this bigger and spread more. So, tell your friends, uh, not just at Logan, but at other universities. Tell your friends. Um, and you know things like that because we really just want to spread you know this message um, out there because uh, my, my whole goal is to spread the word of chiropractic to as many people as I possibly can. You know we have a limited time here. You know even though you don't feel limited at this moment when you're young, but we have a limited time here, and let's just make the best of it, right? So um, so if you guys would like me on the, my Ruben Family Chiropractic uh, Facebook page, and if you're interested in preceptorship, you know let me know. Uh, but otherwise, I really appreciate you guys being here. But don't get up just yet. What I want, I'm going to do is I'm going to take a picture of you guys because I want to remember this, right? And, and maybe I might post this so we can get a picture. Everybody kind of smush in, and I'm going to take a picture on my phone. Thank you guys so much. And uh, hold on, let me get, I'm recording now. So hold on as I pull. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. You guys are great. Thank you. Thanks, Mitchell. Appreciate it. Let's do this again.